religion, politics, philosophy, and science. You will be challenged. You will question everything you thought you believed. Prepare to be. Hello, all of you fellow analyzers out there. I'm back with you again this week. I'm your host, Thomas, and I've got JJ with me again. How you doing, JJ? Oh, I'm really chipper. Chipper. That's, I, I'm trying to get there. I've got, I've got coffee to try to get myself back, back awake. It's, the time change is really throwing me. If, uh, if I were any more chipper, you could line a flower bed with me. <laughs> This week, we're going to be talking about some questions, misinformation, and uh, various different points related to trans issues. And uh, just kind of a quick disclaimer before this show, um, I don't know where the conversation necessarily is going to go, but potentially we could be talking about uncomfortable or triggering uh, subjects such as sex, gender, gender dysphoria, violence, sexual assault, and potentially suicide. So um, if any of these make you uncomfortable, um, just kind of a, a heads up that these could potentially be part of the discussion today. Um, but we do have uh, three very interesting guests that I was connected to um, from the trans community. I, I wanted to reach out because I didn't want to misrepresent some of these arguments. Uh, so I was able to come in contact with uh, three very, very nice people from the trans community. Uh, we've got Kristen. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. And we also have Andrew. Hello. How are you? Good. And then we also have Claire. How are you doing, Claire? Hi. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Did um, I would kind of like to get a little bit of a, uh, just kind of a brief background um, of the three of you. Uh, we could start with Kristen. So, um, well, I started transition probably uh, 14, 15 years ago. Um, I've been full-time for almost 14 years, and um, I moved to San Diego um, and have been living here for 10 years. Um, and uh, I got my legal name changed uh, going on 11 years now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Um, Andrew, uh, I know you're a therapist. I, uh, could you give us a little bit of your background as well? Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Andrew. I, uh, started, um, social transition about 10 years ago. Um, and then I started testosterone, uh, about a year after that, um, right before I started grad school. So um, I, I am a therapist. Um, I have a master's of social work and a master's of public health. And um, I work currently as a psychotherapist. Um, I work as, for an agency and then I also have a part-time private practice um, that primarily treats uh, trans and queer individuals. Um, 
I my my first few years as a therapist um, were were mostly doing social work. I worked I worked actually at the the VA in Columbus and um, worked primarily on the VA's housing team um, with homeless vets, and then uh, I moved to um, Rhode Island where I where I live now and began working in a job that was um, focused on on trans healthcare. So I pretty much treated solely trans people during that time for a few years. Awesome. And then, uh, Claire, if you wanted to introduce yourself and kind of give us a brief background of yours. Um, yeah, so I've started transitioning. It feels like a blur at this point because it's been such a long time. I started transitioning back in 2013. Um, so, yeah, I've been transitioning since 2013. I've pretty much lived in, you know, in, in a big city all my life. And it's been an interesting and informative uh, journey, to say the least. The good, the bad, and everything in between. Awesome. So let's let's just get into it. Um, kind of the reason I wanted to reach out and talk with you guys was I see an awful lot of discourse on the subject of trans people and trans issues. Uh, a lot of it online and social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatnot. Um, and I just see a lot of misinformation going around. Uh, I wanted to address some of that, but I also didn't want to speak on behalf of a community of which I'm not a part. So I thought you guys would be perfect, um, you know, just to kind of ask questions and maybe um, put out some of the things that I've personally seen that... Um, uh, you know, whether it be in my my personal life, uh, work, online, through social media, uh, what have you. Um, so uh, I wrote down a couple of things that I, I recently come into contact with. Actually, this one kind of came from something at work. Uh, it was uh, just kind of a quote. So kind of the gist of what they were saying was, so many people are confused today about what gender they are now. Why are trans people suddenly everywhere? Nobody even knows what gender they are anymore. Why are today's youth so confused? It's like they think that it's all of a sudden an issue. So first we've been around for forever. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so there's actually Since the dawn um, of time. <laughs> well, there, there's actually some Sumerian texts from um, about 2500 BC that documented gender diverse priests. Um, they were, I think, uh, the goddess Inanna. Um, were they were devoted to her, and um, you know we we don't know if they identified as transgender, you know specifically how they identified, but um, mm -hmm. people would um, you know usually wear clothes that were usually associated with the opposite gender. Um, so we, I mean, we that's that's actual doc documentation that we we have. I mean, even the Indians back in the day knew that there were what they called um, they called uh, two spirits. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so we know that they, that's, this, this isn't, this isn't something that just happened. It's not something that just, it, here it is. Oh no. Yeah. That's not the way it works. Um, and as for there, the reason there are, you see it so much more today is because one social media, obviously, right. um, two, it's because people are not afraid to be themselves anymore. And, and I think that it has a lot to do with not only being themselves, but, most of society being accepting. Yeah, I, I think I'm. I mean, I think it's probably pretty likely that um, 
you know, you know formerly people would transition, but they wouldn't disclose. Um, there's there's a really interesting book out there called True Sex. Um, it's written by Emily Skidmore, but um, it talks about um, like basically like a collection of newspaper articles and uh, you know other documents that she gathered about um, transgender men um, in like around the turn of the the twentieth century. Um, like you know one one of the examples is um, there was a guy named Harry Gorman. Um, who broke his leg in 1902. And then when he was treated in the hospital, he was discovered to have an anatomy not generally associated with men. And he'd been living as a man for 20 years since his 13th birthday. And he, he had just been living, you know, stealth. And there, there, I mean, there are many examples in that book of when, you know, times this occurred. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think there probably have always been trans people through history. They just haven't, you know, they haven't told people. And And I think what makes it more so, like, Everyone is seeing it more because the access to information is there now. Like back in the day, even just 20 years, 10 years ago, you know, looking for, you know, I don't feel right, I feel different was a complex thing that you couldn't even like quantify or even get a straight answer. And I think nowadays, now it's kind of is everywhere where everyone is willing to accept it more easily in most cases, not every single case. And the access to that information is like a light bulb is going off in a lot of people's heads. So I think it's just more access to information, more availability of that information and the ability to now be able to self-educate ourselves and kind of understand who we are. Right. So you don't think it's like just a sudden spike in people. It's just more of an, uh, maybe a spike in awareness. Correct. Correct. I think a spike in awareness and a spike for having the words for it. I mean, I, I got the impression, Thomas, that you wanted to focus more on like, like binary trans folks um, here. But I mean, you know, plenty of, I mean, I also imagine like non-binary folks are like folks that didn't quite feel like they fit into either gender have also always existed. Right. They just didn't have the language, you know, up until recently to, to describe it. Actually, on that, because um, that's interesting, too, because like I hear this all the time. I hear people say, well, there are only two genders. It's a biological fact. Oh, that makes me so mad. You don't even oh. know. <laughs> oh, so yeah. here, here, just for instance, I'm going to I'm going to just totally just destroy that that whole sentence. My chromosomes are XXY. Please define me. Two genders? No, I don't think so. I'm automatically a divergent from both of those. Yeah, I mean, you know, biologically speaking, there's there's a pretty wide range of what's normal in terms of sexual and hormonal development. Um, and then, you know, like like she just mentioned, if if we're looking at genetics, there's a lot of chromosomal variants than just XX and XY. Um, so, you know, our chromosomes don't always match what we think of our, as our biological sex. sex. Um, right. And the notion of two genders is actually pretty recent in history. You know, that's that's a very westernized concept. Um, you know, it was really it really started to really only be you know enforced. You know, I mean, fairly recently within the last few hundred years. Do you think there's also maybe a conflation um, or a confusion between sex and gender? Uh, yes. Or do you think that they're basically the same <laughs> it, thing? It, yeah. There's a major con well because one is one is one is a a social construct, and and who you want to present socially to everyone. The other one is supposedly your you know 
your your gen your, as I want as I'm doing my air quotes, um, your your assigned sex at birth. Right. So, because like kind of my understanding is that you know you you can be born with certain physiological traits and sexual organs, but then gender has more to do with like it, it's expressed, right? It's more of an expression of um, some some degree between I don't know how to describe it other than maybe masculinity and femininity, uh, or somewhere in between. Is that maybe accurate or inaccurate? Um, that's, that's fairly accurate, but I, I think, I think it's also, you know, like it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of reductive. Like I, I think, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, gender, gender is an identity. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, it's something we know about ourselves internally and then, you know, we, we can express it in certain ways, but, um, you know, there, there are lots of ways that we express it and there are lots of ways that we express masculinity and feminine, feminine, be much less than anything else. Like, um, you know, like I'm thinking about my, my, my grandpa, he, uh, um, is a very, very gruff guy, like, you know, like very masculine, like did, you know, worked in a super masculine profession. And, um, you know, when, when he retired, he started knitting, um, he just, you know, he would, he would knit like little, little stuffed animals and blankets and hats, um, you know, and he, he got very into doing this. Um, and, and, you know, it, 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 I think it threw a lot of people cause it wasn't what they expected from him, but I mean, you know, we, we, we express our gender in all kinds of ways and, you know, we, you know, n- none of us really kind of, no matter how masculine or feminine we are, we don't really fall into one of those categories neatly. It's kind of more of a spectrum than a binary in other words. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Do you think that part of the problem stems from the tendency of the human brain to dichotomize things? Um, maybe. I mean, I, I think I think human beings like it's it's easier for us when we have categories. Like you know, we we we're more comfortable when we when we can when we can categorize things when things are easily defined. Um, you know, they, they that kind of gives us an idea of how we need to how we should react. Um, you know, it's, it kind of gives us a blueprint for how we, how for social interaction. And I think when things become more vague or when things become more ambiguous, you know, we, we don't, we don't always have great cues for what we should do. And, and I, I mean, I think that's part of why, part of why this throws people so much is that, you know, you're, you're introducing a lot of ambiguity in terms of, you know, how they respond to strangers, how they respond to, to other people in their lives. You know, you're, you're suddenly telling them that like, you know, they can, they can offend people more easily. Um, you know, and I think, I think a lot of people, you know, there's, there's a knee jerk reaction to that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 100%. Part of it, maybe just being unfamiliarity or just, kind of a knee-jerk reaction to it people tend to react with a lot of fear and well people 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 do that from things that they don't understand right and most people don't understand Um, and that's what we're here to do is hopefully hopefully make people understand a little bit more hopefully we'll see you know i heard someone say um possibly the biggest antidote to transphobia is to actually know a trans person um, what do you think about that? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those conversations that gets really interesting, especially when you start diving into the world of politics, where you have a lot of these 
politicians trying to pass laws governing around gender. And the reality is they probably has never even met a trans person <laughs> in their life. Or right. they have, which is the truth. They probably met a lot. It's just they just never knew. Didn't know. Yep. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that it just gets really complicated that, you know, people, like, like you were saying, the whole knee-jerk reaction thing, right? Like right. people are quick to just, you know, stand their ground because they don't want people don't like change and the reality is trans people change their notions of what these you know binaries that they've been taught their entire life is this is a man this is a woman a man does this a woman does that and the reality is it's it's so much more complicated than that and it's it basically so basically it threatens their whole existence of everything they've known (laughs) correct so you know you kind of have to start wondering at times can you blame them like, if you're taught to that, you know, something should be this way all the time, and then someone comes and throws a snowball at you and just, you know, puts, you know, throw that, let's throw a little wrench into, you know, into those gears, you're going to have a trouble trying to quantify and understand what is actually occurring. And the reality right. is, these things are actually much more simpler to explain at times. It's just that people, typically like to stand their ground because they don't like change or they don't want the change to happen around them. Well, a lot of these, a lot of people are told that God made it this way and any deviation from that is heresy. Like there is a size, there's a sizable percentage of the American population that believes God had a certain plan and this throws a monkey wrench in that plan. That is doing threatening their their whole existence of God, the whole God thing. And okay, so a little more background on me. I actually grew up in the Mormon Church. I know it's horrible. Hey, join um, up, so did I. <laughs> oh, wow. oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I grew up on a ranch in you know in a ranching community where you know men were men and women were in the kitchen. And um, as a Mormon, you know, and I, I have, I, I was baptized into Melchizedek priesthood. Um, I, you know, did all the things that I was supposed to do growing up, and then I grew up and put away childish things. Um, so I can understand where um, poking holes in the religion would come from, why that threatens them. Right. Uh, I mean, and I'll admit. Uh, even for myself, before I actually knew any trans people, just that ignorance or just the unknown, um, I I didn't know what to think. I I didn't want to be judgmental, but I also just didn't understand a lot of things. Um, actually, having to got you know get to know trans people, at least all of the people that I have met and that I know, pretty well blow all of the stereotypes you know out of the water. It, it, for whatever, you know, fear is trying to be propped up against the trans community, um, I find that almost every one of those is, you know, nothing more than scare tactics or misinformation. And and kind of dealing with people who are, are very, uh, uh, like, anti-trans or, or trans-exclusionary, you know, feminists-type uh, people, um, 
so far, the majority of those people don't that I've at least interacted with don't actually know or aren't friends with anybody from the trans community. So that's, I think you probably are right. There's probably a lot to do with just kind of the unknown and, and threatening people's Or they don't know they're friends with trans people. That's true. That's That's very true. Yeah, there are a lot of stealth people out there, and I've ran into a few of them who didn't want... I, and I knew as soon as I looked at them, I was like, oh, you're trans. <laughs> we can spot each other pretty well. And <laughs> um, and she was actually mad cases. at me. In most cases. But she actually blew up at me because um, I asked her about um, trans support groups in the area. And she's like, you you can't be telling anyone that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because I'm, I'm out, and I, I, don't, I don't care who knows. Right. I'll, I'll shout it from the rooftops. I, I, I don't give a crap because um, it's part of who I am and I'm going to, you know, who I am. I'm, I'm proud of who I am. Thank you. I've been through a lot of crap. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I, I, I try to be pretty intentional about coming out. I, I do. I do um, some consulting work like for for healthcare agencies um, to do training for their staff. And, you know, one, one of the reasons I come out is because people don't know that I'm trans to look at me. So, um, you know, and I think I think it's important that people's perceptions be challenged, um, you know, and I, I think um, I mean, I do think that's true. I think I think that once people once people meet someone from the community, once people have a chance to talk to me about it, um, you know, they, they start to, you know, they, they start to realize that, you know, if they if they believe these things, they have to believe them about me. And, you know, like usually they, you know, they respond pretty well to me. They like me. So they don't, they don't want to believe that I'm this person that they've, you know, this boogeyman that they've kind of made up in their minds. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, I mean, I think, I think that's part of the reason being trans has, has become more accepted is because, you know, more of us are coming out, more people are, are realizing that, you know, this is someone that they know. Right. I guess kind of thinking about that, um, while I can't identify with that particular, that particular experience, um, I, I guess I have similar ones, um, you know, having, having to kind of come out to my family as being non-religious or atheistic. Um, and then, you know, after that coming out as, uh, you know, uh, non-monogamous, uh, you know, those are, those are stressful things. And in my experience, you know, just interacting with people. In fact, actually, what sparked the idea for originally doing this podcast with uh, uh, Eli, one of my co-hosts, who's who's just not here tonight, um, that actually started with, you know, me breaking a lot of atheist stereotypes and him interacting with me and, you know, realizing that that's, you know, I, I don't fit the stereotype that's generally associated. So, um, I, I can kind of get that to at least some extent. Um, one thing I also kind of wanted to kind of move into, um, cause this seems to be kind of talking about, you know, people's fears. Um, people tend to be very protective and afraid for the children. I, I've, I've seen a lot of misinformation kind of going on around about that too. Um, people saying that kids are actually being, you know, encouraged to identify as trans, uh, that there's like a spike in trans teens, um, uh, or the number of them increasing or that people are being, you know, encouraged to do it or uh, further, you know, actually given treatment 
when they're children. Do you want to talk about yeah. that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, th- that that's one of those topics that really infuriates me because everyone talks about <clears throat> there's a, an uptick of trans kids out there and stuff like that. No, there's an uptick of visible trans kids out there. There's trans kids. There's been trans kids for pretty much all of, you know, history. So, you know, allowing them to transition has been proven over and over and over that it actually helps them and sets them up for success early on instead of running into the more common issues with a lot more people where you have people who are suicidal, people who tend to abuse alcohol, people who are violent. Um, and, you know, if you, we can if we can take care of the, of, of the kids now and, and just try to... Allow them just to be themselves because yes, kids are kids are kids. They're gonna do whatever. But for you to be trans, you really need to know yourself. So, so the whole notion of like, yeah, we see more trans kids out there, and we're allowing them to transition is kind of nonsense. So um, I think it's just a change of the times. <laughs> yeah, mentioning uh, allowing kids to transition, I've got a audio clip uh that was kind of circulating do you want to can i go ahead and play it it's like five minutes is that too long okay so this is i'm fine with it i'm fine with it yeah go for it okay so this is basically uh rand paul questioning uh dr Mm. rachel levine on puberty blockers for minors with uh, gender Uh, dysphoria great here we go Genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been <laughs> condemned by the WHO, <laughs> the United <laughs> Nations Children's Fund. The United- <laughs> oh, All right. All right. Get a pause. Get a pause. Yeah. Oh, horrible start. <laughs> good job, Brandon. Because Ooh. circumcision is so common in this country. Ooh, good point. 100%. <laughs> like, I know it's a sidebar. Yeah. But but to but to claim that using puberty blockers to pause puberty is genital mutilation out of one corner of your mouth, and I know I would bet all of the money I have in Bitcoin that Rand Paul is completely pro circumcision. I mean, and that's I mean that's beside the point because people aren't doing bottom surgery on trans kids. Like, I, I mean, exactly. Yeah. That is okay. that is the that other. That no happen. one is doing that. Let's debunk that, and, it after and it. That, <laughs> and, and that's my point. It's like we already are doing actual genital mutilation as a standard practice in this country. Fair. Like okay. it's normal, right? To you, mutilate genitals. Ab- yeah, you're absolutely right about that. All right, let's 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 continue, continue on. Continue. The United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because, as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force, but as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community. American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers 
to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Ugh. Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parent's consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids <laughs> with no parents who are homeless and what? distraught, you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. Can, can but we do I'm alarmed pause? at. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so in order, so wow. in order for her to have any of those surgeries, she had to be 18. Yes, she was in. She had a informed consent to do those things at 18. 18, you are an illegal adult, and you can you can do whatever the hell you want to yourself. Now, and I mean, there, there are people that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, like the whole other problem is like, yeah, you have to be 18 to to do that. But we also have gatekeepers. You know, you need to pass a certain level of, you know, psychiatric care. So you like you you need letters from like two different therapists, psychiatrists, or mental health providers. You need doc. You need letters from doctors. It's it's not as easy as oh yeah, well today I feel trans. I, I'm I'm just gonna go to you know. To, to the corner to the to the right aid and just you know oh just a, a little snip snip here and, and and i'll be fine um yeah that doesn't happen it's, it's impossible for that to happen now do mistakes occur well i think mistakes occur in healthcare all the time mm. but to single out one person's experience for a justification of trying to make a blanket statement is not only wrong but morally corrupt <laughs> It seems politically deceptive to me. It, it totally. definitely is. And I mean, not not that people, I mean, uh, on very rare occasions, there are people that 
um, you know, once they're past 18, start hormones or might might go through surgery and then realize that it's, you know, that they were mistaken and it wasn't it wasn't what they needed. I mean, that the percentage of people that 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 do that is so small that it's basically negligible. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've done, you know, as a therapist, I've done evaluation um, for surgery. And, you know, one of the one of the things that we look for during evaluation for gender dysphoria is whether the feelings are consistent and persistent. What that means is that, you know, that they're they're consistent across time. They've been consistent for years. Um, the person is, you know, continually presenting this as part of their identity. Um, you know, a phase passes and these feelings don't. Our, our identity is, is stable. And, you know, not not that there aren't occasionally individuals that um you know, might might have other mental health issues going on and might, you know, present it incorrectly for a number of years. But the the, the I mean, the, the chances of that happening are very, very small. Um, I feel like that we could acknowledge that this like super edge case that uh, Dr. Paul has picked out, it, it might exist, but the number of people who benefit from transitioning and taking, you know, steps to transition like top and bottom surgery, hormone blocking, et cetera, et cetera. The weight of benefit is so significant that it is it's it's part of the, you know, the medical rolling of the dice that we do as a society. Exactly. Yes. I think, you know, kind of as another aside, you know, like, I mean, in a lot of cultures in the country, it's pretty commonplace for like parents to pay for plastic surgery for their kids when they graduate from high school, you know, that that happens in wealthy communities. So, you know, I mean, I think when, you know, if, if you have a 17 or 18 year old, you know, getting a nose job, um, you know, no one, they don't, they don't need letters for that, you know, they don't need evaluation. Um, you know, a lot of times they're, 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 you know, going through some pretty, pretty intense stuff, um, to get plastic surgery done. And, you know, that, that doesn't require nearly the level of gatekeeping that this does. Yeah. I mean, for my understanding, there is none. Like for, in order for a trans person to have breast augmentation, you need those letters. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's almost insulting and, you know, it's already been proven over and over and over that the period blockers are safe and effective on giving children the opportunity to make an informed decision when right. they hit 18. And most kids who, at the age of 18, still have a long way to go before they even come to the qualification of surgery or any type of, um, how, how, did he, how did he call it? Mutilization um, or something like that? Mutilation. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like... You, you, it's it's virtually impossible for you know a person to be temporarily confused because, like um I and I apologize I don't have names in front of me so you know the one constant thing is always your gender identity everything else is always in flux now you know who you are from a young age and that doesn't change right away and. Even in that case, like I was actually trying to look up that case as you know, as we were listening to the recording, you know, there can be a lot of things that would have caused that person to either transition or transition back or vice versa. Like it, it's such a small number. So a lot of people 
have have transitioned, and then um, I actually have a friend who started his transition um, from female to male, and um, he started his transition four times, and then um, but societal norms and friends of his and and things didn't agree with it, so he decided, oh, maybe this isn't what I need. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I was about to say as well is that there's I mean there's enormous pressure on people to detransition sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes they, they do that, you know, they, they, they felt how they felt the first time, but you know, there's, there's, you know, depending on what kind of pressures they were experiencing, they might've decided that they, they couldn't do it. It's usually a very stressful time in your life when you choose to transition. It's really, really hard. <laughs> All right. Do you want to finish the clip? Yeah, we got like two minutes left, so it's All right. most of the way through. Is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. For most of our history, we believe that minors don't have full rights and the parents need to be involved. So I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, And if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER, but you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman <laughs> testosterone enough that she grows a beard, you think she's gonna go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently oh changed gosh. them. Infertility is Wait, enough. he just did a, a switch. He said he did. hormone he blockers, did. and then he said hormones. And then he said testosterone, yeah. Right, so he, he totally switched it, which, I mean, that that can't be unintentional. I'm, I'm sure I, it was intentional. <laughs> It's, That's it just feels like politics for you. Yeah, he's he's playing political gotchas. All right, sorry. The problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. There are so many drugs that are used off-label. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the left didn't go nuts do- because they were using it off-label. The left went nuts because there wasn't medical efficacy that had been demonstrated. And if you have this panicked rush for everyone to go out and get it, then the people who need it for specific reasons no longer have access. So there are some legitimate concerns for that. You know that there are dozens and dozens of people who've been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. I can't vote for you. you Thank you so much, Senator Paul. Senator Levine, thank you for uh, answering the question. I will turn to Senator. Okay. Yeah, that was <laughs> wow. so cringe. I'm sorry. It was cringe. 
That hurt me. I wasn't even aware that that was from this year. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was. So, it was from actually uh, like a couple months ago. Yeah, it was yeah, not, not, not long ago. Oh my god. I, I, I can't even... Um, I had to constantly keep muting my microphone just to make sure I didn't yell. <laughs> like, is he freaking serious? Um, so he brought up an interesting point. Um, so, you know, the UK, their trans healthcare is typically a lot better than the US's because it's more of a unified thing. We're not playing, you know, catch up. We're not playing guesswork. Out there, at least, they put a priority that, you know, everyone deserves healthcare. And it goes with almost any country. Like, even Canada has the same thing. And in the UK, they don't give hormones to kids. They put them on beauty blockers, just like the US, from the recommendation of the World Health Organization. <laughs> so, you know, it's... He's, he's playing political gotchas. He's, he's, playing, he's playing a game, and that game he's playing has a tremendous impact on people's well-beings and people's lives. You know, politics should not be in healthcare. Leave that to the professionals. Um, oh, God, they, they, he just, he, he infuriated me. I'm sorry, I, I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the puberty blockers that's used commonly is called Lupron. Your, your listeners can look it up. But generally, you know, if you go on Lupron, if you decide to go off at any point, um, you know, your, your body still goes through puberty. It's, it's delayed, but your body will still go through puberty. Um, you, you know, there's just a, a lot of what he's providing just isn't flat out isn't true. Just general misinformation. Um, kind of on politics, because... Oh, no. Well, I mean, he's just... <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned politics shouldn't be in medicine, uh, and that it does have you know a, a tremendous impact on people's well being. But it, I think it also has a, a big impact on discourse in uh, you know the public, the public perception of trans issues. Um, I mean, we can we can go all kinds of directions with that. You know, there's the uh, uh, the bathroom laws or the locker rooms. Um, it seems like people are really concerned about, again, you know, they, they always jump to, well, you know, protect the children. Um, you know, what if, what if people start, you know, allowing trans people to go into the bathroom, you know, that they identify with and then, uh, so they I might I, assault somebody. So I've been going into the women's bathroom for 14 years and I've never assaulted another woman. So sorry. Yeah. I mean, I've been going, I've been going into the women's bathroom and usually I hope that no one can hear me poop. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's the same. I go to the bathroom as the same way as every other person. And I'm that there whole to go notion, to the bathroom. Exactly. That whole notion that, you know, a, a man is just going to dress up as a woman just to go peek on, you know, women or children in the restroom. Those are called predators. We have a system in place to take right. care of those. Yes, there and are already laws in place to <laughs> stop that from happening. That is not going to change. Well, I mean, are there any even known cases of people exploiting? There is one. I've only ever heard of one, and it was it was a super rare outside-of-the-box case. Right. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, that also kind of ignores, you know, sexual assault within a gender, right? So here, here's the question. Okay, so, um, so they want to to ban trans women from going to to into women's bath bathrooms, but if they do that, are trans men supposed to use the women's bathroom? And is that putting a man in the woman's <laughs> right. bathroom? Right. Yeah, it is. Nobody that, wants and, to be in a woman's and, and on top of on top of that little uh, oh blow the blow somebody's mind out of the water. Um, so on on top of that. Lesbians are already in there, right? That, that's just it. Is um, you can still be assaulted in a bathroom. It's not well, and I mean, you know, it's it's just not really thought through. I mean, visible trans people get harassed, you know, particularly visible trans women, and so I, I mean, somebody somebody would have to be pretty determined to put themselves through the the kind of you know scrutiny and harassment that they would you know inevitably go through just to sneak into the bathroom. So. Wow. I'll so a long, long time ago, I actually, it was right at the very, 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 very beginning of my transition. Um, I was still using the men's room and I went into the men's room to use the bathroom and I was washing my hands afterwards and a guy walked into the bathroom, stopped, opened the door, looked at me and while I'm washing my hands, looked at the sign on the door, looked at me again, looked at the sign on the door, had a really confused look on his face and <laughs> went to the bathroom. Oh yeah, I have a I have a similar story. I went out drinking with a couple of friends, and I needed to use the restroom. The women's restroom had a line that was practically circling the entire bar. The men's room didn't have a line, so I'm like, you know something, I still kind of have that plumbing. Let me just go over there. Once I got to the the men's restroom, there was kind of like this big bouncer guy there. And he just stopped me dead in my tracks, like, nope, there goes the women's bathroom, go over there. And I'm like, yeah, but I really need to go, and I kind of have the plumbing, so I can pee standing up. You, you look like a woman? You sound like a woman? Go over there. That's, th th that's the women's restroom. And I was forced to hold it while on this really long line just to go into the women's, just to go into the women's restroom. And it's like, really? <laughs> like, Really? The reverse of what usually happens. Yes, actually. <laughs> that I mean, was an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually recalling like back like the first time I realized I needed to start using the men's room because it was early in transition and I wasn't I wasn't sure yet, you know, if I could get in there. And uh, I there, I came out of a stall and like an older woman like let out this like little scream. <laughs> for a little <laughs> for a second um, when I came out because I, I mean I looked like a 15 year old boy. Um, mm. You know, she's pretty pretty startled to see me in there. Uh, so I started using the men's room after that. And I, I mean, I would think that without having any direct experience, I would I would tend to think that, uh, especially a trans woman, wouldn't she be more like far more likely to be subjected to assault by going into a men's restroom? One hundred percent. Yes. Than to actually commit it. I mean, to me, that seems like it's going to potentially create a lot more harm than it's going to. There has been cases of th that exact same thing happening here in New York, where you know trans women will ha you know go into you know the men's restroom, or people who perceive the person as trans will go into you know the men's restroom and they're assaulted in the men's restroom. And when all these bathroom laws were getting passed, women were getting assaulted by men 
chasing them down because they looked more masculine than feminine. And there was cases that of exactly that, of men trying to police the bathroom and going into the women's restroom and assaulting actually cis women. And when I saw those cases come around, it's like, well, this is why you don't politicize the bathroom. <laughs> um, it it just it's it boggles the the brain. Like, you know, let a person like first off, gendered bathrooms is probably the most nonsense thing we have ever had in in you know in, in our history. You know, it's so unnecessary. Everyone just needs to go. Let them go. So, uh, I need a I minute. It, it seems like there's a lot of focus, especially on trans women, um, you know, that they're just trying to exploit the system uh, and just kind of general fear around trans women, which is really unfortunate because some, some of the best people that I know are trans women. Well, I think, I think that has a lot to do with um, men. Um, well, we trans women are a threat to masculinity. That's interesting. Do you think that, um, cause I had, I had actually thought about this earlier today. Cause um, we gave up our masculinity. Most of us did anyway. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, I think also like, you know, that there's, there's, you know, there's some homophobia there. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think there's kind of this idea that trans people try to trick people into being attracted to us. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, particularly for, for trans women, um, you know, not, not that I want to speak for y'all, but there, there's like a lot of concern or, you know, I think, I think men are, men are afraid of being attracted to a trans woman and what that means. And, you know, they, they, it causes them to rethink their sexuality. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of like the fear that, See, that, that I, desiring I, a trans okay, woman might so make you gay. I, I've dated many of men where I've actually had, they, they, they're like, you know, am I bi because I'm with you? I'm like, no, I'm, you're straight. <laughs> I'm a woman. Um, that, how do you not understand this? <laughs> it's kind of obvious. I'm a woman. You're a man. It's a straight relationship. Yeah. Um, but I've 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 had that more conversations more times than I can ever possibly count. Well, I think it it also goes to the whole notion that you know we're all raised that men must be men, manly man, and society says that okay, well, a man is supposed to be this big tough guy who can you know on a moment's notice go cave mad and clobber a woman over the head and drag her back to you know <laughs> back to the cave well that notion is so f far incorrect and it's so toxic um that most men can't try to live up to this notion that what well, quite frankly doesn't exist because it's a social construct you know men can be you know, feminine men can, for example, like I heard earlier, they can go into knitting. That is valid. I know a mm -hmm. lot of men who love sewing and making garments and stuff like that. And the the fact of them being threat, their masculinity being threatened, or in the case of a couple of cases here in New York where people were assaulted because their friends were the ones instigating the entire thing. Like, well, no, no, that's a dude. That's a dude. <laughs> I, I think it's so I'm trying to find the right word for it. Toxic masculinity? Is, 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 that, yeah. is that the word I wanted to use? <laughs> I got a thought I want to pitch out. Yeah, to toxic mix is kind of the right idea. 
I was like, if we all agree here that gender is a social construct, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I do. Now, yeah. since all social constructs are just the consensus agreement of individuals within societies, it, shouldn't it be reasonable to assume that for some people, even though we all live on the same country together, we're all on this, you know, this, this rock, there's going to be a percentage of us that are going to have a consensus definition of gender that is different than another group of people. Mm -hmm. And okay. I, I would suspect like when you were talking about the times when you've gone out on dates with guys and then they've been confused, it's like, am I bi? What am I? And you've, you've explained to them that they're, you know, you're a woman, they're not bi. That's, that's not how you, th that definition works. I feel like they are coming from a social construct that is from a different society. That actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, like yeah. there's, there isn't a social, like some kind of platonic, you know how like you have platonic triangles and whatnot, like something that you can appeal to for the definition outside of the, what we're talking about. Like, I, I just don't see that there is, and I was going to, I've been wondering, this will kind of segue me into something that I wanted to bring up. Like, I don't see where you can appeal to something and say, well, that that's the actual social construct. All these mm. other social constructs that these other people hold, like, you know, these very conservative fundamental Christians, those social constructs aren't real social constructs. I, I There's no, I don't see a philosophical way to do that. Like, it's just a different social construct. So for a couple of years now, I've ascribed to the idea of gender nihilism. Can you say more about that? I think that the idea of gender as a social construct is an object that we don't necessarily need to carry forward into future society. Hmm. Oh, I would agree. I would agree that um, gender shouldn't, shouldn't exist. I, th I believe that is um, when, you know, these gender reveal parties and, pe you know, <laughs> the very first. So, you, so your girlfriend or your wife or, or is pregnant. What's the very first question most people ask? Well, what's its gender? Right. Why? Why is that the first question you ask? Is your is your baby healthy? That should be the first question. Right. <laughs> and not what gender is it? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> Are you going to keep it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first question I usually ask. Gets get some good looks. <laughs> that is if they don't blow themselves up in the gender reveal party. Oh, this man. is true. Anymore. Any, yes. But why do we have to have a gender on all of our documentation? What, what, what purpose does that serve? Nothing. Like to me, I, to me, I think it's archaic. But when I say that, I know that for many people, gender as an identity is very important. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a little torn because I, I mean, I think I think that a lot of folks can find it find it affirming. Um, right, and, you know, and, and I, I see well, that. Uh, no, I, 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 I think you should be able to when when you become when you come of age. You get to choose your own gender, not somebody tell you what it is. Ooh, that's kind of an interesting point. Cause, um, so, so 
why why do we have to when a child's born look at its look at its genitalia and say oh you're a boy or oh you're a girl why do we and they have to be tagged with that their entire lives why can't we just say you're a child and leave it at that and when the child gets old enough say are you do, do you have a gender specific you want to be i mean i i, I a lot of a lot of parents i know like kind of kind of do something like that you know like the the kid you know they might use certain pronouns but they might you know let be a little bit flexible if the kid seems I use a little unsure pronouns with with my two younger children mm-hmm. and i prefer they them pronouns that kind of leads to an interesting uh cuz i've seen this kind of be an argument is in a couple of different circles um do you believe that gender is entirely a choice or do you think it do you think it's more determined based on you know circumstances that can be outside of your control such as like brain structure chemistry uh, epigenetic development or maybe social environment or do you think it's kind of a mix <laughs> um so but, i mean we, we we don't really know completely what influences someone's gender identity development i mean there's there's research out there um you know like like what we know, like when we look at gender identity formation and development, most kids are aware of the differences between like genders at ages one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're able to self-identify at around age three. But like, you know, like there's some, some studies that say that kids might show a preference for like, you know, three to six months old, they might start showing a preference. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of theories like genetics, like prenatal exposure to certain hormones, like, um, different social factors and influences, like influences of, of your parents, and um, I, I mean, personally, I think I'm inclined to say that like people can't people can't decide their gender, but the way we mm-hmm. think about and, and interact with our sense of gender is fluid, and that's that's always changing. And kind of what I had seen too was someone kind of drew a parallel with the gay community and having to you know, come out as non-straight or, you know, anything that isn't straight. And, you know, that kind of being an argument of, I I didn't choose this. I can't just choose who I'm attracted to. But then, you know, is that the same with gender identification? Is that something that you, you know, you can struggle with and then just come to terms with, this is just how I feel and how I, I feel that I should express? Or is that like a conscious decision? Because that kind of does change the terms of so um, discussion. It, 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 it's kind of a mix of both, though. You, you really, it's hard to define because, so I knew I was trans when I was really, really, really young. But because of how I grew up, um, I was forced to hide it because I was actually told everything that I was, the way I was feeling was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I shouldn't be that way. And because I grew up in the Mormon religion, in a strict Mormon Mormon <laughs> religion, and that was completely, you know, that, no, that's not the way little boys behave. Um, and so I hid it. I hid it from myself and from the world for a long time. Joined the Navy, did all of the, all of the things for the, you know, did the man things. <laughs> and, um... I, one day, um, something happened and everything, all of those walls that I'd put up and, and the little box that I held who I really was inside a little, little locked box that I kept hidden from everywhere, it was opened 
and um, that was the day that I swore that I couldn't couldn't live like that anymore, and I've never never looked back. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, I do, I, I do think that there's. I'm sure that maybe maybe there's like a handful of people that would disagree, but I think for most people, it's not a choice. You know, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I came out in my late twenties, and I was. Um, you know, I, I, I was very torn. I, I also knew I was trans when I was young and then, you know, was told that that was, those weren't feelings I should have and kind of bottled it for a long time. But, um, you know, when I was struggling with whether to come out in my twenties, one of the things I kept worrying about was like, is, is wanting to transition to male, like, is that internalized misogyny? Um, you know, like, did, did I, did I, want to be a man or did I just hate being a woman? And so, um, you know, I, I was, I was very, torn up about that um you, you know because I, I had been you know living as um you know this this slightly edgy like bi-ish woman and um you know i mean i think i think if i if i had had a choice at that time you know i, I definitely don't think i would have i would have wanted to transition to male you know I, I liked i liked being i liked being that that person um you know but i mean this this wasn't this was a part of myself i couldn't really deny anymore yeah I, th I think it's like even in e even in my experience like being unhappy feeling unfulfilled knowing that i was different and you know i was i'm also one of those weird people who's new when they were young um and the reality is that's not always the case it's about finding the language for what it is at times Mm. Um, to describe what you're feeling like just not being a happy person or even a nice person you know really being toxic and something had to give and you know I nearly killed myself driving off the road um, because I couldn't focus anymore on what I was doing and my brain was going a million miles a minute it, it was one of those tough discussions i had to have myself to even make the decision to even attempt a transition and knowing that it can go horribly wrong from you know a social standpoint from a professional standpoint i was willing to risk everything just so i can breathe and and not pretend not to mask who I was so I think it's 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 challenging that you know if you ask a, a straight person or a cis person you know what is your gender what is your identity a lot a lot of people will be very quick to to say I am x I am y mm -hmm. I am xyz but I feel that a lot of trans people it's a lot more complicated because we're fighting you know a lot of the the, the nurture that we had growing up a lot of our environmental factors make it really difficult to even accept yourself so i i think it's complicated that's a really complicated question to ask because i think you're going to get a different answer every single time you ask a do different think, person do you <clears> think <throat> that a lot of those social pressures um have a and i think i know the answer but do you think that that has a pretty big impact on mental health totally I mean, yes, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's I, the I think 
most recent statistic is that 41% of trans people have attempted suicide. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, you, you have, um, I know, I think she did too. She said so yet earlier, but um, I have. So. I have also. Um, Same. Wow. <laughs> it, it, it is difficult when you're fighting tooth and, you know, tooth and nail. And I think when you realize you can't keep doing what you're doing, it's like a light bulb goes off and you're like, something, something has to give. And you have to be willing to risk it all. And, you know, I think once you start realizing that you need to change, I think it's kind of goes into a domino effect. You really aim to change yourself to make yourself feel better. And this is not even like trans people don't have this notion cornered. This happens with everyone. It happens yeah. with people in relationships, with people with their jobs, the way how people address children, their children, their family. Um, I, I think it, it, it's everyone has a breaking point, And once you hit that breaking point, change needs to happen. And I don't know, it, it's, it's really complicated to even put into words i feel at times <laughs> that actually kind of brings up because inevitably on this topic every time i see people arguing or hear people arguing about it mental illness inevitably always comes up and a common accusation and i think you know misconception is that uh, being trans is a mental illness uh, could maybe you clarify that a little bit um, it is it not was, a mental illness. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a mental illness. It, it was it was categorized as one at one point in time back in uh, the DSM three. Um, the DSM is like a it's like a big book that um, it, it's like a like all the all the mental disorders. That's what we use to diagnose. Um, you know, so it was back back in the DSM three, which was like you know came out of Vogue like I think around two thousand. Um, it was a disorder at that time. Um, you know, interestingly, the, the DSM was published in in the nineteen fifties, and homosexuality was considered a mental illness at that time. Right. I have a question to piggyback on that, because um, in social media discussions that I've been involved in, one argument that a lot of people who don't or who do think that being transgender is a mental illness will bring up is they will bring up something called body identity. Uh, what is it? Like a transableism is that the colloquial term for it? Oh yeah, body oh. identity, body integ identity, or body integrity identity disorder, which is where <laughs> people want to become disabled and feel uncomfortable with themselves. I bet you can't say that five times fast. <laughs> it's, uh, I had a really hard time. So the World Health Organization in 2016 um, decategorized transgender from being a mental illness. And I believe a lot of organization, a lot of countries who are members of the World Health Organization have until like 2022 to make the change in their um, in their respective countries to decategorize it. Because even to this day, a lot of countries still consider it as a mental health. Most Western com uh, countries do not, but they're also members of the health organization. Um, so it, it it's. <sighs> Trying to think of the the right way to 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 explain it, um, you know, 
my, me being me and, and, and feeling comfortable with myself is not a disorder or anything. Me hiding it and me trying to, to suppress it, that is a disorder, which right. usually leads to depression. <laughs> um, depression, suicide, and we can probably write a book on all the other bad symptoms of trying to swallow you, you know, your, your natural nature, your, you, your essence. Um, the times are changing, and I think a lot of people are trying to cling on to every single thing that they possibly can, and a lot of stuff that's outdated because the reality is most of it is, um, I guess, especially in I the guess, U.S. Oh, <laughs> no, My I'm question finished. is how would you address someone that, that would bring up the claim they can't see a difference between somebody that's suffering from gender dysphoria and body identity dysphoria? Bodily integrity, uh, identity, this body I, integrity I, dysphoria. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. the word soup thing, right? <laughs> but I'm like, if if somebody because somebody could have that problem and come to it with a like you know genuine a lack of understanding, like they at first blush, in some ways, for someone that doesn't you know already come into this with a sympathetic mindset, they might struggle with that question so, to differentiate between those. So is that kind of the same question as um, what's the difference between somebody doing this and and they're a jet? No, or no, or, no. or they're or, like the, or they're a or they're a flying saucer. Or I've like, heard that one a thousand times. No, but. That, that's, yeah, it's annoying. But More there like are, you know, are people. There are people that have cut off their arm because they didn't like how they looked. So, from my understanding, that number is even lower than how many trans people there are. Oh, yeah, we're um, talking like in the tens. <laughs> yeah, that is such a rare, and I mean extremely I've never rare had that occurrence. happen. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I would have to, like, there, there's other factors that will make a person want to you know, chop their arm off. And it's not as as simple as, oh, I just don't like the way it looks. No, there's usually some other, you know, psycho component that's that's in there. Psychosomatic component. Um, trans people, it, it really isn't. It, it's, I am who I am. And right. it's no different from someone saying, I am gay. No different from a person saying, you know, I am a builder. I am an engineer. It, it, it really is no difference from that. You know, identity is very different from something that is ex so extremely rare that most people can't even, you know, come to the table and explain it the same way. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's complicated. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this and, I, you know, I mean, I think, I think in order to give like a, good rebuttal to the question. I need to think about it a little bit more, but um, I mean, you know, we, we know that when people have access to trans affirming treatment, you know, when they have access to hormones and surgery, they get, they get better. You know, they, people's, people's mood improves. They, they improve socially, you know, they, they report fewer symptoms of mental illness. You know, some, sometimes they, they report none following transition. Um, you know, and that, that, that doesn't happen with, you know, other, other disorders that are, you know, where, where folks are, um, 
where they where they might you know cut off an arm or something like that or where, where they where they might um, you know I, I'm not I'm not actually familiar with that specific diagnosis but I mean I'm I'm guessing that there's probably something else going on well, there um, I would I would assume too that there would be different factors that would influence you know being transgender versus being trans ableist yeah and, and my response that had had been historically when people bring that up, that means that they're implying that transitioning is a harm. Like when you cut off your arm, you're doing harm. But when you transition to, you know, the identity to, to match the identity you see yourself as, that's not harming yourself. So I've always seen my transition is fix, fixing a mistake at birth. Okay. My, my transition is fixing a mistake that was, that was made when I was born. That's all. That's always, always been my, oh, I'm just fixing a mistake. There was, then when I was born, I was just born, you know, with gender, that, with, with, with parts that I wasn't supposed to have. It, it happens. I mean, kids are born with a cleft chin. What do you do? You fix it. I'm doing the same thing to my own body. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I mean, transition, transition isn't a harm. You know, we, we know that, I mean, going back to, Going back to kids, I mean, kids kids that have affirming families and access to affirming treatment, um, you know, they're they're depending on how affirming their family is, they're a lot less likely to to report symptoms of depression or anxiety. I mean, you know, the, like, like transition helps people; it doesn't it doesn't hurt them. They're set up for success, um, you know. At you know at that point, um, and I and I feel that you know even. Here's the thing I used to always tell people, and and I had gotten this a lot when I first started transitioning. Well, Claire, how how are we going to explain this to the children? The children don't care. Kids don't care. They 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 they're like okay, you're being who you are, and it makes usually makes them feel better about themselves to be able to express themselves in, in however they see fit at that particular moment. Hopefully constructively. Um, I I think it's like. For, for example, and I'm just going to use me as an example, being allowed to transition when I was able to transition saved my life. I am by every def, you know meaning of the word better to have transition than not. I am happier. I'm in a long term loving relationship. Um, I'm pretty successful in my career. I'm able to do whatever I want. I can walk down the street and, to, quite frankly, not give a shit what anyone else thinks or says <laughs> about you know me or anything like that because I am truly comfortable with myself. How many people can say that who are not trans? How many people can say, I am truly comfortable with myself? I am truly happy with myself? Everyone has a problem with something. <laughs> but... I feel that a lot of trans people, when they're allowed to transition and they get to, I guess, a point where I'm at, where they're comfortable in their own skin, they're able to do things that you would have never expected. Like, for example, I am currently working in the healthcare field, designing technology for women's health. I'm a trans woman. I'm still a woman. And I even started correcting that the way how I describe myself. Everyone says, oh, well, trans women. I'm like, no, I'm a woman who happens to be trans. But yes, I'm still a exactly. woman. And, and, and that's just for me. Now, if you are, you know, non-conforming, then 
you are non-conforming. You don't belong in either this camp or that camp. You belong in both camps. Um, because you, it's whatever makes you feel comfortable, whatever sets you up for success. Um, and just being able to transition is at times a privilege, I, I feel. And to even being able to transition in a supportive household in a constructive area is also good um i i think it's like i said like i'm gonna keep saying that it's complicated because everyone's everyone's journey is is and will always be different no different from every cis person out there i think that's how i'm losing my point so claire you actually said something i want to point on real quick um and Please. i i have i have three children Three biological children. Um, and, yeah, I, I was married before um, to a cis woman. And we had three... We, oh, I have two biological children. One is my stepson. But, um, so, um, what do you tell the children? It was actually very easy. I set my children down. I said, look, I don't be... I'm not happy being this way. Would you rather be me happy or not happy? And my kids said, obviously happy. Well, it's okay. This is, this is, these are the things that I need to do to make myself happy. I'm going to be wearing women's clothes. I'm going to be, you, you know. Um, and I even let my children, um, when, when my, so when my, um, my kids said, well, what do we call you? I was like, I'll let you decide that. And my kids call me Cece. Um, which is neither male nor female. It's just Cece. And that's what my kids have called me since they were, both of them were really little. Um, and I let them call me, figure out what they want to call me. Um, my daughter has recently started calling me mom, um, which has absolutely thrilled me to no end. Um, my ex doesn't, isn't very happy about it, but I don't really care. Um, <laughs> and, um, but that was her decision to start doing that. It's just, you have to, you have to explain it in terms that they will understand and, Speak to them as a you know, as you would just about anybody else, but in in a child's you know with within limits of of them being a child. That's all you have to do. Yeah, it's not hard. Yeah, I remember this little girl. Um, I I forgot where I was. I think I was like going. I was traveling for work, and you know I had these sandals on, and this little girl, probably no more than five years old walks up to me and just blatantly asks me, are you a boy or are you a girl? <laughs> and I look at her and I'm like, wow, you are a bold little girl. I tell her, I am, I am a girl. She's like, oh, okay, cool. I like your toes. They're really pretty. And like, I'm looking at her mother and I'm like, wait, what just happened? And the mother's just like, eh, kids. And I'm like, yeah, and that's where I actually started saying that kids typically don't have problems if they understand, if you explain it to them. Like, for her, in that instance, it was very simple. Am I a boy or am I a girl? If I would have said anything different, I think she would have still had the same response. Okay, cool. I like your toes. It's pretty. So, I feel that it's us adults who have problems with it, and we project this onto the kids and we tell the kids that this is the way things should be and the reality is most kids don't want to listen to their parents so they don't believe in that kind of stuff 
unless they're drilled and they're mm. not drilled, grilled and and like hammered into them that no, this should be a problem. Um, yeah, it, it it's. <sighs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so correct me, please, if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like what, um, from what you've said is that transition isn't the problem it's not the illness being trans is not the problem um the gender dysphoria is and transitioning is the way that you address that problem is that is that accurate i, I yes. think that's fairly accurate um i i do want to point out, i mean so not all trans people experience dysphoria yeah i um, don't i don't experience okay. it so and you know i think that's actually a common misconception but you know i mean i think but part of the part of the reason I think it's important to you know sort of sort of reframe that a little bit is that you know not everybody experiences dysphoria, but we can like we can all experience gender euphoria, which is just kind of that sense of like wow, like this is this is me, this is this is the way I'm supposed to be, um, and and you know I, I mean I think I think you know we we all you know in, in some area can say can can identify with this idea of like you know like I, I'm I'm okay with the way things are now, but I, I could be happier. Um, right. and that's kind of what gender euphoria is. It's like, you know, maybe it's not, things are, things are fine, but you know, like th this could make it better. Um, and you know, and I, I mean, I think that's what a lot of trans folks are shooting for. Wow. That actually never occurred to me. Um, that's, that's actually a really good point. Thanks. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, I know that I had talked a little bit beforehand um, with Kristen about, you know, maybe addressing some issues with uh, trans women, you know, exploiting systems and one of those systems being uh, sports. Did you guys want to maybe delve into that or do you want to save it for maybe another time or? or I'm what? good. I can keep going. Okay. I can keep going. Yeah, same here. All right. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> okay. Um <sighs> We all know those arguments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, everyone knows those arguments. Um, and one of my, she's actually a friend of mine, is Fallon Fox. Everybody I should know her who, years do, ago. do you know who she is? Yeah, I checked her in at a uh, secular conference in Springfield, Missouri once when I was <laughs> volunteering so, at the desk. <laughs> Fallon Fox is actually a very famous MMA fighter. Um, she was, she's trans. Um, and I actually met her because one of my friends was dating her for a while. So, um, and so um, she actually just posted a note on one of our one of our discussion groups, on um, one of our trans groups, um, and she's like, she she's she's really mad because of everything that's been going on, you know, with trans in, in sports, and mm -hmm. and so a couple couple misconceptions right off the top. Um, she well. Uh, so, everyone, everybody always focuses on trans women in sports. Right. Well, there is a whole nother side of that coin, which are trans men in sports. Right. So, so if you're gonna if you're gonna look at the uh, look at that whole thing, you have to look at both sides of that same coin. If you're gonna look at that issue, so. You're, so people don't want trans women to uh, to go up against other women, but you want trans women, uh, trans men, to go up against men. 
It's like people don't care if trans people might potentially be disadvantaged, but don't dare give them a potential advantage, right? Exactly. I, mean, I think so. I, I mean, I think I, I, I'm not. I, I, I'm still honestly not sure if like a lot of the people that clutch their pearls over trans women in sports like actually know trans men exist. Um, you know, it's kind of like the bathroom <laughs> thing too. It's like I, I, right. I yeah. can't tell if yeah. they don't know we exist or if it's like they're just you know they're, they're just manipulating the information. Like that's right. that's how. So, like so in know. Texas, so in Texas, um, there is actually a been. I, I read a story in a couple, I guess about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, about a um, a trans boy, and he's a wrestler. And th- so, where do you put him? Do you let him wrestle in the women's? And where he's taking, he's going to end, you know, he, he is, he, he's, he's 16, you know, he's, you know, um, and, and he's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> he's huge. And I'm just like, dude, I would even have, I would even have problems fight, you know, wrestling him. And I used to wrestle when I was young. Um, and I'm just like, he scares me. Um, do you want him wrestling in the men's or do you want him wrestling in the women's? Where where do you want him? Because you you want you want trans women to go against men and you want trans men to go against women? I don't I don't I'm not sure where that whole line, so line I, is. So I I remember I actually remember that story. So they put up they put the the fella inside the women's wrestling and made him rust, and, wrestle and he other crushed women. everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Testosterone really increases your upper them. body strength. Yeah. <laughs> I rushed them. And you know, it, it's it's like when we talk about you know, let's say trans women in sports, and I do agree. Uh, I I feel that people don't realize that trans men exist. Um, I, I think they're still holding on to the notion. You're you're just confused. <laughs> um, I, I think that's why a lot of people are still holding on to those notions. Um, you know it. It's very complicated because when trans women transition, your muscles just they don't like you anymore. Your your estrogen is so evasive in in, in the body <laughs> that it just completely destroys your upper body strength and most of all your strength. I am weaker than most cis women. I am weaker than most men. I will probably get my ass handed to me five ways to Tuesday. Um, and it's been. Qu- Actually, quite interesting and a little entertaining watching the Olympics try to quantify this exact conversation. How do we, you know, put, you know, control men being in women's sports or vice versa? And their study that they did, which is pretty enlightening, was that they expect trans women to have extremely low number of testosterone. And then they kind of started looking at a lot of the top fe- cis female athletes out there. And they had more testosterone than even some men in their, in their respected sports. So does hor- now it brings a question of, well, what type of advantage does trans women have in you know, competing with cis women in sports. So, and I think people are, yeah. Um, yes. And to, to that point, um, so there was, so recently there was a, a, a an article about a, about a person who was um, a runner and she's trans. 
I don't remember her name right offhand. Um, Joanna Harper. I th- I think that might have been it, but I don't remember right offhand. I would I'd have to look at the article. But she but the but the argument was is she actually beats beat out a cis woman to go to um to the Olympics. How and everybody's just looking on that one little piece. Do you, everyone knows that she actually didn't win that race, right? <laughs> she didn't win. She came in like fourth place against other cis women, and she's the yeah. trans woman and that's supposed to completely dominate every single sport. And he, he, so back to the Fallon Fox, she has been in so many. She was in so many fights, and she lost to many. Ge- genetic women, uh, the cis women, that that she she's just like I don't understand where this is coming from because I've lost to many women, I it it, it doesn't make any sense, um, and and there's currently been um so lately uh, so she here, here's what she put on her Facebook page, she said lately haters have been pushing a photo of herself and another female fighter who's a bloody mess. Um, there's been hundreds of articles in the past few days um, have been floating around. Um, she says, "I never even fought this woman, but they're accusing her of beating her and making and and breaking her skull, basically." Um, and she never even fought the woman, um, and they're trying to push this as a trans issue, right? Trans issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she actually, the woman, the woman's name is Kay Hansen, and she got her face split open by a cis woman named Carl Schwartz. And so she's, so she, she's seen all this stuff, and she's like, I've never even fought this person. It wasn't me. And, but it's in the news. And people have been pushing this agenda that she's the one that did it, but all anybody has to do is go look at her, um, her, uh, her, her, her entire martial arts record and know that she never even fought this person um and it's things like that misinformation that some people are perpetuating and and giving trans women a bad name and saying that look they this one person like with the with the trans runner the only thing they focused on was one trans woman beat somebody else right even though she lost the race right I mean, I guess it would be wow. one thing if the conversation, you know, if if the facts were that, you know, trans women unanimously always dominated in sports. But if they that's don't. not the case, then, uh, you know, then we have other cis women who have potentially genetic advantages over other cis women. So, I mean, sports are already inherently not fair to begin with. That's the that's point not, of it being a sport. Right. <laughs> Somebody's got to win. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, like you can try to to level things out in certain, like you know, with racing, you'll have different, um, you know, like if you're racing cars, you'll have which to me is silly. Like I think the faster car should just win, but then they'll set up, you know, this person gets to start sooner because they have less horsepower, and that just seems weird. Um, maybe the whole concept of competing to me is a little foreign because I'm just not that into sports, but. Um, I like there are already people that there are cis women who could kick my ass and I'm a cis man. Um, so, I mean, you're already going to have genetic advantages to begin with. So if trans women aren't unanimously dominating, I don't understand why, you know, it's, it's a problem. 
Well, and I mean, I think it brings up a lot of other like troubling questions. Like, if you wanted to enforce it, like, are you are you going to genetic test all these athletes? Are you going to test their hormones? Are you going to test for bone density for height? Like, I, I mean, you know, if you if you wanted to make it fair, like, I mean, that's what you would have to do. Really, is to make sure that no one had an advantage. And one of you earlier gave the example that you have an XXY chromosome. Mm-hmm. Like, where do I which, fit? Yeah, <laughs> which sport do I play in? <laughs> Um, I think that, uh, I think that part of the problem is sports is based on the old dichotomy of, you know, male and female binary. And it actually doesn't accommodate everyone already in history. And now that, you know, transgender people are becoming visible and non-binary people are becoming visible and just being an accept, you know, a normal part of our society, the old traditional ways of being of doing sports ball are suddenly insufficient. Yeah. Like in, mm-hmm. in some ways, I think that we are trying to hammer a square peg into a round hole by just rec- saying that we can leave sports as a dichotomy, the dichotomy that it is, and we can fit the bigger picture of the world into that dichotomy. Rather than asking ourselves, maybe sports should change a little bit, and, and how we delineate totally sports change. and participation. Yeah, sports should definitely change. Like when when you when you start looking at how we have already separated like men's and women's sports, and if you actually spend take the time to watch women's sports, which most people never do, um, <laughs> you will realize that these women will beat every cis man under the table the perfect example i like to use is softball right we have baseball for men but we have softball for women and if you ever try to clock a lot of the softball speeds of professional softball players they're faster than most major leaguers (laughs) so and you know these women are not only pitching faster they're hitting it harder farther than most men probably do in their entire career. This whole notion of just gendered sports is, at this point, almost comical. Um, Like, there's very, very few sports where men will have an advantage over women or women will have an advantage over, you know, men. It it, it just... It's time for sports to come into, you know, the 21st century... Yeah, I mean, I, I get people's concern, um, especially if you're not familiar with, you know, any of the specifics or any of the, the stats. Um, but I think that just the the very fact that, you know, we don't have trans women completely dominating, uh, I'm sorry, trans uh, men. No, it is trans women. Trans I, women. I'm already confused. Yeah, yeah trans, trans women. women. <laughs> we've, we've talked about both both directions. Uh, trans women dominating in uh, women's sports. Then uh, I, I think that kind of defeats that whole argument. Well, here, here's here's one more example. So um, there was just recently. I don't know. I don't. I, I saw it somewhere, but I don't remember where I saw it. Um, a cis female joined a male wrestling group and just one state. Mm. Oh, I, I wrestled in high school, and I wrestled against the first girl in Missouri. The first girl in Missouri to go to state was on our wrestling team. 
She weighed 20 pounds less than me, and she rolled me up like a pretzel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's it, it, it. So none none of it really matters in the end. I don't think anything really matters in sports. It's just sports. Who I, I honestly don't give a crap. But the only sport I can imagine is possibly weightlifting. Well, actually, I know a uh, yes, weightlifting. Possibly, um, I actually know um, one of the actually the person that Fallon Fox was dating. She's actually a weightlifter, okay. and she's trans, um, and she actually is a heavy duty weightlifter, and she is huge. Um, I'm very scared of her. Uh, <laughs> um, she's gigantic, and I'm just like, and and she and she'll post, you know, her lifting, her doing some of her lifts and stuff, and I'm like. I, I, I can lift the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that sounds about where I'm at right now. <laughs> and I don't know, like, I'm not making any, I'm not making any decrees or anything. Like, I, that's just the only place I could conceivably see where this might still, like, be an, a space of uncertainty. But in 99.99% of all participation sports that we are familiar with. There just doesn't seem to be the scientific evidence available to warrant the kind of concern that we are seeing. And the kind of concern we are seeing is not warranted by the evidence as much as it's, it's driven by ideology. Agreed. Yeah, it is. Agreed. I mean, it, it seems like it's largely it's, it's being blown up into a bigger issue than it actually is. Um, I've I've got another five minute clip if you want, just but I mean we've already kind of broken down all the arguments I feel like and it's it's guaranteed going to make you mad because it's from Prigger you. Oh no! Uh, oh, no. <laughs> we don't. No. I, I had pulled yeah. it up, but I, we don't have to. Man, I hate. Let's let's you. let's not and just pretend we did. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm good with that. I mean, I mean, I think the I think the undercurrent of a lot of it is I mean I, I think it's just a lot of people just wish trans people would go away. Um, you know, I, I think they, they just, they would like us to not participate in any of these things so that they can continue ignoring us the way they did before, you know, conservatives started using us as a political point. Um, and I mean, I, I think, I think that they, they would just like us, they see us as a problem that they would like to have, they would like to have disappear. And I mean, that's not happening. We're not going away. You know, this is the society has changed, um, you know, I think for the better and, um, you know, I mean, I think I think those folks are just going to have to do some acceptance work around that. <laughs> yeah, like you know, the the way the way I see it is, they're angry about the gay marriage stuff. They lost every argument to gay marriage, so now they're looking at the new thing mm-hmm. to pick on, and trans people seem to be the easy target. But we're not making it easy for them, and we never are. Um, uh, you know, Prager you for perfect example, them. Did you know they actually target a lot of their advertisements towards people who are trans? Like, we're not even your demographic to to piss off. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's that kind of like backwards mentality that it is going away and it will continue to be pushed into these little fringe extreme groups into the corner because the reality is with time things change you know that's evolution that's that's 
you know, what we do on this planet. We evolve over time. And if you can't keep up with the pace, then get out the way. Well, um, I don't even know that necessarily people are changing as much as perception of who people are. Um, I mean, like like you guys were saying, trans I people agree. have always existed. We're just now becoming more aware of it. Yep. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Good talk. <laughs> I feel like we hit a lot of more topics than I thought we were going to be able to cram into. So. Yeah, yeah. It almost feels like we're going to have to do like two, three, four, five more things just to even get, just to even scratch the surface. <laughs> I do feel like this is a good place, like maybe to hang our hat. Yeah, yeah I, like, I agree. Like, yeah. Guys, to... I agree. Do you guys have like maybe any final thoughts that you'd like to each leave us with? Um, if, for if, any if... listener. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Claire. No, go ahead. <laughs> for any listener listening to any of this stuff, and if you don't agree with us. Meet a trans person. Talk to a trans person. There's a lot mm. of people out there who will be happy to talk to you and educate. Don't believe the things you see on social media because the reality is most things on social media are designed to, you know, it, they're designed for the clicks. They're designed for the likes. And the reality is that's not a good source of information, um, you know. Meet a trans person, go to the, your local, you know, LGBTQ center. And, you know, just there are people there who are willing and eager and able to sit down, have a conversation with you and do a little educating for anything that you f feel misinformed about. So that's where I'm going to leave my <laughs> my that's final really thoughts good. on. I really like that. Yeah, my my final thoughts are about the same thing. Um if you if you if you want to talk to somebody hell my door is even open if you want to find me on facebook or wherever i don't care i will i i educate my here my thing is is i'm here to educate everyone as much as i can um do i do i does do, do i do a broken record most of the time most of the time it's it's it i just put myself on repeat and just repeat the same thing over and over and over again to people becomes you know a thing um because i've said it so many times but I, I think that um, that we're just people. We just want to live our lives. We just want, you know, I, I'm the girl next door who's the super geek. You know, I play D&D &D with friends. I, I play Magic the Gathering. Um, I own Yay. hundreds of board games. <laughs> um, I, I'm just the girl next door. I just happen to be trans. That's it. That's the only difference between me and anybody else. That's all my, that's my thoughts. Mm. Yeah, I think my thoughts, I mean, I would second, you know, get to know a trans person and also that, um, you know, I mean, I think, I think what benefits trans people benefits everyone, you know, the, the, a lot of, a lot of these old beliefs that are being called into question, you know, they, they, they make cis people pretty unhappy too. Um, you know, and I, I know that because people have been in my office, like talking to me about how restrictive they find their gender roles, you know, men, mm -hmm. Men are afraid to express emotion. Men are afraid. Men can't connect to other people in their lives because of these expectations that they have heaped upon them. You know what the expectations society has of women are just. I mean, they're toxic. They're unrealistic. And you know, I mean, and I think, you know, in in accepting, um, you know, in accepting the the ways we can we can sort of embrace diversity and gender. You know, I mean, I think I think. 
I think that it, I think that lets everyone be more happy and more themselves. You know, I think I think that's a good thing. That's awesome. Yeah, you, all of you, all three of you have been fantastic guests. Uh, I really appreciate you spending uh, what the last hour and a half or so with us. Um, <laughs> and of course, you're all welcome to come back anytime for any reason. Um, just reach out to me, and I'll be happy to talk you uh, talk with any of you again about anything. Um, did you have any last thing you wanted to leave anyone with, uh, JJ? Um. I mean, we've covered so many bases and it's it yeah. been it's been very important to make sure that or to to listen to you three individuals talking about your experiences and about you know the all the stuff that you've learned i i just i'm really i really appreciate you taking the time to sit with me and thomas yeah i think last thing i would say is uh i i very much agree with uh the sentiment uh that uh, you all said, you know, get to know a trans person. Cause I know for myself personally, um, I mean, that changed a lot of my perceptions, uh, just meeting people who broke every stereotype that's out there. And, you know, in my interactions with people, a lot of the people who are most transphobic don't even actually know trans people. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I can attest that's definitely changed my perception and, uh, uh, I would recommend it for anybody. Um, for all of you out there listening, if you would like to become a more active uh, part of our community, uh, look us up on Facebook. We actually have a Facebook page that you can just search for Analyze Podcast and like the page. Uh, we will announce, you know, upcoming shows and, uh, you know, guests that we're going to have where you can you can comment and submit questions. Uh, you can also uh, comment on, you know, previous shows as we post links to those and uh, have, you know, discussions and conversations about that. You can also, you know, uh, give us suggestions for uh, things that you would like to hear about. If you would like to help our ratings a little bit, you can actually go to the iTunes um, podcast directory and just leave us a good review and a comment. Uh, we definitely appreciate that as it helps our rankings. Um, if you would like to financially support the show and gain, you know, access to exclusive content, uh, you can become a Patreon member by going to analyzepodcast.com and clicking on the link there to our Patreon. If you would like to become a guest, uh, you can also do that from our website by clicking on the become a guests link and filling out the form and we'll, we'll be in touch with you. Otherwise, um... I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope that you walk away with more information than you walked in with. Thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll see you next week.